Hello, hello, hello. All right. Today, uh, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about chronic illness and marriage. We're going to talk about marriage and chronic illness. Uh, and we're going to answer the question. Um, well, questions. How does marriage affect chronic illness and how does chronic illness affect marriage? This is a big subject. If you are a chronic illness warrior, you know what I'm talking about when I say potential divorce, uh, potential breakups, potential se separation of any sort is very common. In fact, the, the statistics in Northern America, it is 92% of chronic illness warriors that are in a relationship end up in a separation two years after a diagnosis or two years after consistent and really any chronic symptom. So knowing that, uh, I have brought on Michelle onto the podcast. Michelle, let us know who you are, what you do, and why did I bring you on this podcast? Because this is about to get spicy. I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. Hi, I'm Michelle Perda. I live in the States. Okay, I live in California. And I am a marriage coach. I am also a mom of three. I'm married to my business school bestie. And I help couples. I also help moms one-on-one -on -one simplify communication so they can get back to their relationship. So they can feel like a couple again, right? So often, once you have kids, your marriage gets put on the back, put on the back burner because you're like, hey, you, spouse, you got this. You're a fully functioning adult. You know how to take care of yourself. I'm going to laser focus on the kids. And what ends up happening is just the whole transition of becoming parents, right? The loss of energy, the loss of time, the loss of your own autonomy almost because these little kids are now dictating what you do, when you do, how you do it and where you do it, right? They, yeah. they are very good at telling you what they need all of the time. And what ends up happening is we forget to nurture our relationship. We take it for granted. We expect it to still be there once the kids are more independent. It's like, a oh, once, fill in the blank, then we can reconnect. Then we can work on us again. But what ends up happening is you forget how to communicate. You forget how to hang out. And what used to be really fun, flirty, loving kindness ends up being responsibility-ridden, resentment, frustration, annoyance, anger. And I want to help couples avoid that or turn back time and create a new version of their marriage so that they can feel like conflict is just an opportunity. It's an invitation to strengthen the relationship and use it as a springboard to grow with each other instead of growing apart from each other and feel like a couple again so you can hang out enjoy each other actually want to hang out instead of feeling like hanging out is a chore feeling like sex is a chore and just you know kind of doing life side by side you know like feel like when you become parents it's like the marriage becomes a business it's like we are co-parents and we are roommates and anything else we don't have time for well I want you to see that marriage is more than that you still get to enjoy your marriage after kids and 
marriage doesn't have to be hard. Like that's like my pet peeve. I think we were talking about this on a different yep. chat, right? Like people, yep. so many people would say, oh, marriage is hard. Well, I believe that marriage has hard moments, just like how motherhood has hard moments, but marriage isn't hard as a whole. And if marriage feels hard for you, then it's just a matter of learning skills to be successful in marriage. So that's what I do. I love it. I love it. So I'm sure we can all see now why Michelle is on this podcast today, right? So she (laughs) mentioned right away a few things, right? So you mentioned that first and foremost, that we need to understand ourselves and our reactions in order to thrive in our marriage. Same thing as chronic illness. We need to understand ourselves. We need to understand our bodies in order to go and have self-advocacy in our chronic illness journey, right? Number two is that so many things can go on. Uh, you were mentioning as like just just being in that marriage and not roommates versus actually just being together and being in a mm-hmm. partnership, right? Uh, and you were mentioning how uh, that difference between like that partnership and roommates, right? But This is also the same thing that happens in chronic illness is that when we are with a person, especially if your spouse or your partner does not have a chronic illness, there's a big um, pressure put on the person that does have a chronic illness to be like, just, just simply to vocalize what is going on with you. Right. If we don't feel well that day, we wake up where, you know, uh, maybe we have a moon moon face, which this is a big part of my personal, you know, healing journey and my personal marriage really um, is if I wake up and I don't feel good. This is something that I know that works best for us is that if I simply communicate, hey, Katalene, I'm not okay today. So can you please make breakfast? Right. And like just doing that takes so much stress off of my mind, off of my shoulders. I'm just like, okay, at least the kids are fed, right? Because our minds are always working on like the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids. But it's like, if I vocalize and I have that other spouse that can also say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this for her. It's almost one of the best um, advice that I have gotten about marriage is that to have no expectations, have no expectations of the other person. There's the best, the best advice I've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. And I think you even mentioned that on your podcast, correct? I think uh, you mentioned probably. that. Probably. I feel yeah. like expectations just set people up for failure instead yeah. of, you can have standards. I think standards mm-hmm. are healthy, right? Yeah. Standards yeah. are healthy as long as they're communicated and boundaries are set. Yeah. But when you have expectations that aren't communicated, then you're setting both of you up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, That's what I do, but it has taken me years in terrible relationships. I'm talking, Michelle, like abusive relationships, not ideal relationships that no one should ever be in. But we get ourselves into it because, Mm -hmm. you know, trauma and, you know, as I say, trauma, baby, you know, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Right. And um, and you meet that person that thank God, you know, thankfully. And, you know, sometimes it's also the work that we put in that we meet that person and they are your best friend and you do feel comfortable vocalizing. But one of the biggest things that as a chronic illness warrior, and actually the things that I talk with my clients as well about is what, what should we do or how can we uh, learn how to communicate 
what is needed without feeling this guilt, without feeling this man like my because the having a chronic illness, something that your body, you feel like you are out of control of your body. Like whatever your body is doing, you're like, I have no control over it. So um, I'm a big, big advocate for controlling the controllables. And sometimes it's as simple as communicating. What happens if we cannot, what can we do? Yeah. So communication is so, so important because when you don't communicate, you're essentially assuming your partner knows what's going on with you 24 seven. But guess what? You don't know that about them. So why should we expect for them to do the same? And I'm saying this because I am guilty of doing this from time to time. And I've done this a lot in my past where I'm like, how can you not know that I'm not feeling 100%, right? And I blame, like, okay, I love Disney, but I blame Disney and all the fairy tales because it seems like they end with like happily ever after. They know how to anticipate all of our needs. But it's like, but if we don't take the time to know what our own needs are, how can we expect someone to magically show up and be like, oh, I know what you need 24 seven. We're yeah. each just all trying to figure yeah. ourselves out, right? And some of us don't even make that a priority. But for those of us who are, that's a challenge in itself, just understanding ourselves like, hey, why am I annoyed right now? Why am I having a hard time? And then adding chronic illness adds another layer because it's it's truly not just being burned out where you're like, hey, do less. Hey, rest more. Hey, ask for more help, right? It's things that on a given Tuesday, you're like, oh, I thought I would be okay today, but clearly I'm not. So yeah. I think simple check-ins, having an established protocol is really helpful. So yes, you can't control whether your body's going to function the way you want it to on any given day, but you can predict that that kind of day is going to happen. And when that day happens, you can say, hey, husband, partner, when this kind of thing happens, how should we navigate this? What's the yeah. best way to communicate with you? right? Do I say on a scale from one to 10, this is where I'm at today so that you know my capacity. And that means this is what I'm going to need help with, or this, these are things we're not going to do. We're going to lower our standards. It's kind of like when you're solo parenting, you're like, fuck, this is a lot. So what's going to happen today? I'm not going to burn myself out and then end yeah. up regretting how I'm behaving to my kids. Right. Yes. So yes. what am I going to do? I'm going to lower my standards. I'm going to get takeout or I'm going to make pancakes for them for dinner. I'm going to make life as easy as possible so I can get through this without sacrificing my well-being. And that's the priority is that is the priority, my well-being, my well-being. Right. We're not that's not something to sacrifice. No, ever, ever. No. We're not sacrificing well-being. We can sacrifice, and this is something that, again, just in in my personal journey, that it took me terrible relationships to get to the point where um, I'm going to get personal because I always get personal. I was I always enjoy talking about my personal journey because I think it's a good mirror. It's a good mirror exercise, right? Whatever. Whatever is happening to me, I can definitely mirror onto other people and have them see themselves in this story. So um, when I moved to Spain, it was in um, – so I first went to visit um, my now husband, Kathleen, um, in December of 2016, which is crazy to think, <laughs> in 2016. And then I moved in April, the beginning of April 2017. And we met 
in September. Okay. And that's really fast. That's a fast timeline. And I'm that type of person. Yeah. And I'm that type of person. Like I'm a perfectionist. I need to think about it. I need to ruminate about it. I need like, my brain needs a lot of evidence that this person is safe, you know, especially after like all these terrible relationships. Right. So I moved uh, in December. So I'll tell you this, this story in December and then to follow up what happened to me when I moved into Spain. So in December, I visited him and I still have pictures of, of this. So in December, I went to go visit him for the holidays and we stayed in Spain. So I was from December 20th and then I came back home like January 6th or 7th, something of that nature. And the first like week before thanks or before thanksgiving before christmas uh we were in romania uh, in spain and then on christmas and then a little after christmas we went to romania and then new year's eve to new year's day and then that week we were in spain okay so spain romania spain okay and um in spain i had all the foods that i wanted okay and this is also for those listening, this is a big, big aha moment. I want you guys to stop blaming food. Stop blaming food. No matter where you are in the world, you could be like, oh yeah, like European food is so much better. Okay. Okay. I came to Spain and I had all the foods that I wanted, right? Like all the foods, making sure that I'm still like regulating my blood sugar. I'm still walking. I'm still peaking doing like the dry brushing, keep my feet up, right? All the things that I have been doing, right? To show up for myself consistently, right? And uh, got to Spain. And one of the first nights that we were there, um, we went out to like in Madrid. So it wasn't like in a village. It wasn't like it was in a big city, okay? And we went out and I started getting these pains on my right side, which immediately I was like, shoot, like I'm about to have a flare up. Like what? Like nothing happened. Nothing happened. All that I ate was food and it wasn't fried food. It wasn't, it was like normal food. I can't remember what I ate. Cause like I'm a real human, but, uh, I know that it wasn't fried. I know, you know, I was conscious about it. Right. And I started getting the pain and then I started getting cold sores, like all on my lower lip. And I was like, why am I having a cold sore? And typically a cold sore is coming from when um, literally the temperature of your inside, your organs, your liver is working very, very hard to fight off something foreign. Okay. And It was very interesting to see just slowly but surely my bottom lip just feeling like it's swollen and it started as one cold sore and then another one and then another one. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And, um, and my husband was like, well, my, my boyfriend at the time, sorry, he was my boyfriend at the time. Uh, he was like, maybe it's the cheese. Maybe it's the bacteria. Maybe your gut is just not used to this like unknown bacteria that, you know, and like Spanish cheese is pretty hard, you know, it has, you know, it's not like the fake mozzarella that you have in the U.S. Like, maybe it's that, you know, and I was like, well, this is interesting because like I eat cheese. I have dairy, like I have yogurts. I have, you know, all that stuff. And 
like I said, it was one of the first nights uh, we were hanging out. And then all of a sudden I have this deep pain on my right side and I have a liver attack. And he's looking at me and he's like, uh, uh, and, I, and I'm just like curled up in a ball and I'm like, uh, I really don't know what to tell you because I've never been in this situation with someone else in the room. Like, I have no idea. And he's like, okay, uh, well, uh, <laughs> we're just kind of freaking out back and forth. And he was like, do you have anything that makes you feel better? Like, should we get you in a bath? Should we like like, is water going to help? Like, do, like maybe you need to like burp. Maybe you need to like, you know, and he's like, like, you know, him trying to help me out. And it was really, uh, <laughs> it was really a moment that I was like, you know, what's interesting. I don't know what makes this feel better. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Is that like, I haven't literally just asked myself what makes this feel better. It's always been about just staying consistent. Just stay consistent. You'll be fine. Eventually, your body will be fine. But then when you add another human into your life and they have this different lens of you and of your chronic illness, right? It's the same thing as watching a movie. You watch a movie and you're like, wow, yeah, that sucks. But then it like happens to you and you're like, what? (laughs) What was that? Right? So... That, that was the situation. And so he we literally tried a warm bath, maybe warmth, maybe massaging, trying to do a lymphatic drainage massa- massage on myself. He was trying to do a lymphatic drainage massage on me. And I was like, I think you're doing it wrong. Ah, ah, you know, um, and it was just an awkward time. I'm not going to lie, Michelle. It was a very awkward time. Uh, and that was that. Then we went to Romania for Christmas. Okay more cold sores. My lips were so swollen. I looked like I had Botox. Okay. Literally, I have pictures of this. Literally. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe like, I just like, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing because everyone, like I was with my in-laws. That was the second time they saw me since we've been together. Let's imagine this. I was like, oh my Lord. (laughs) And I'm scared to now eat the food. I'm scared to do anything. I'm like, they must think that like there's something wrong with me. And then like in my head, I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like why, why can't my body do what it needs to do? And then I started thinking, why do I have to be here for this to happen? Yep. Right. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm with this guy. He's very, very understanding. Thank God. And I say this and you and me have had this conversation too. That is my, my biggest success in my chronic illness journey is holding a relationship with someone that has challenged me in every single way to communicate, to not have expectations, to really just be there and be the partner, not the roommate, not, you know, all that. And so knowing what I knew about this man already, right? And we didn't, we haven't known each other for years, okay? For what, a measly uh, three and a half months, right? I was like, okay, this is a little embarrassing. I was like, okay. And, you know, I go to hang out with like my biological family, you know, which that was a fun story within itself. They're like, what's wrong with you? Like, why do we have this? Do we that like, you know, and now we're trying to figure out illnesses within our family. I was like, I don't know, guys. I don't know. And it was just a whole thing. New Year's, same thing. So the whole entire trip, I had cold sores and flare ups. 
the whole entire trip. Okay. This was also the same trip that then I asked my husband to marry me. He said, no, it was not because of the cold sores. Okay. It was because it was just such a short time, but I knew that we were going to be together. But anyways, in April, when I had officially moved, I had for the first two months, I had a flare up almost every other day. And it really brought that communication skill, like to be as sharp as a knife. I was in a foreign country that at the time I didn't have health health insurance because in Spain they have universal health insurance. I didn't have that. So I couldn't go to the ER. I couldn't go see a doctor. I couldn't even talk to anybody that I knew because I didn't know who to talk to about what to do, right? And the only person that I had to help me was my husband. So communicating that I'm not okay and trying to figure out what does, what what makes me feel better in that situation. And we found out from communicating from trial and error, from not giving up on each other, from him being understanding and me being understanding that he doesn't know what the heck is going on in my brain, right? It came to the point where it was him that was like, you know, last week you had really similar um, symptoms. Maybe today, maybe you should just take it slow. Maybe you should rest because I don't think, I, I think you having a flare up is not really a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it brought that, again, that that understanding of each other of saying, okay, wow, like this guy is really paying attention to me and he's communicating like, I don't want you to feel bad. So help yourself. And I think that's another thing. Help yourself. Mm-hmm. Because this man can only do so much, okay? Like, he already does, like, like I, I tell everybody, like, this this guy is, like, God sent, thank God. However, he is not a saint and he's not perfect, right? So, like, he's still a human and he's not a robot, right? Like, so really being able to bring that together. And I was like, hmm. Okay. And that's where I learned the communication aspect. I also think this is why a lot of people separate when they have a chronic illness. What are the like main reasons why people separate? Um, what is something that maybe you know, maybe a skill or a tool that you can tell us how to just get over that hump? Mm-hmm. If let's say as an ex- you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, tell us. So what a lot of people tend to do when they have issues in their relationship is they look to their partner to be fixed. Change yourself and we'll be okay. But the actual answer is to change yourself. And I don't mean change who you are, okay? Like the core of who you are, that needs to stay. You get to yeah. have your identity. But what I mean is, and with all the love in the world, you need to grow up. Yep. Okay. Respectfully grow up. (laughs) Yeah, respectfully. And I say this because this is what I had to do. And it Mm -hmm. was rough, right? It was the point where I had several relationships, serious relationships, like multiple years together. And looking back, I was like, what the hell happened? I had the same dynamic in every one of them. Yeah. Where they would do something or not meet an expectation. I would get pissed. 
and I would get passive aggressive. We would argue for hours, get nowhere. I would feel unsupported, unseen, unloved. And I wanted a different type of relationship. And I thought, maybe I don't deserve it. Maybe I'm not worthy of this. Like, what's going on? But it was the point where I finally was willing to look in the mirror and say, how did I get myself here? Mm -hmm. What did I do to co-create this experience for all that, all that were involved? Yeah. And that was a moment where I was like, well, shit, I actually suck at communicating. I suck at relationships. And the moment I took that in and decided to work on myself, that is when my relationships did a complete 180, which is like the favorite, my favorite compliment from clients, by the way, is like, oh my gosh, we did a complete 180 because I have done that myself. I have gone from so much arguing. Like I'm telling you probably almost every day, maybe Ooh, every other that's day. That's rough. Right. It's, it was yeah. taxing. It was toxic, but yeah. I didn't know it. I thought that, well, I actually tell you how I feel. So I'm a good communicator. Yeah. That must so, be enough. That must be enough. Right. That, like that's that. gotta be like, that's better than me pretending everything's fine. Right. It wasn't right. There's a way to talk. And the biggest thing that I see in my clients, which happens to be the very first thing that I work on with them is personal growth, nice. self leadership understanding how to actually reflect on what's going on instead of feeling like, oh, well, something's wrong. I have to jump into it and tackle it right now. That urgency equating to this is how much I care is actually mm. false. It's do you myth. believe then, because we don't do this, we don't do this because again, literally because of me, of my chronic illness, I'm like, we are not staying up to resolve this. We are no. not. You don't believe in that. Okay. I why? do not like, believe let's in elaborate don't go to on bed this. angry. I don't okay, believe good. That. Good. Because we don't need Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I do it's believe... 11 o'clock. Like it's past my bedtime. Right? Good night. <laughs> because it only just goes downhill from there. You are now tired. You're now delirious. You're emotional. Yeah. Nothing from that right and I used to be like that I used to be like no we got to fix this right now and what I learned show that I care oh do I need to repeat that yes okay yes go ahead and I used to do that I used to feel like oh we need to fix this right now we need to like talk it out until we're done and then we can go to sleep because otherwise if we go to sleep and we're not okay the the world is gonna end we're gonna be done. Right. Yeah. And yeah. what I realized was that's not helpful actually. Why? What is Why more not? helpful is just acknowledge, Hey, we don't agree right now. We love each other. Let's take a break until we have something new to discuss. And it's that time and space that allows for you to truly reflect and this is like the very first R of my four R communication method is reflecting because if you don't know your part in the problem and you are not humbling yourself to know that you have equal part in the problem, you are not ready to discuss it because instead of 
coming to share your experience, you're going to push your experience. You're going to try and convince the other person and fight the other person to come to your side and admit that they're wrong and and just change on their own. But until you're willing to take a look at how you need to grow, what responsibility you need to take, it's uneven ground and it's not going to facilitate a productive conversation because it'll just come off as attack, attack, attack. I am right. You are wrong. You need to bow down and like curl your tail and own that you fucked up. Right. 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 To go into a conversation like that. No one. Plus the, the entire fact of this is a person that you as to be understood that you love. Right. And I always say this, like, talk to talk to that person like you would to yourself. And if that is how you talk to yourself, then that's why yourself. (laughs) Yes. But that's why self is is first. That's why self is first. If we are looking in the mirror, sharing my story. Right. Like I had no idea until I was put in a room that (laughs) I'm having now this liver attack. And this guy's looking at me like, what do I do? Like, I want you to imagine he's literally standing and I'm like laying down on one side, curled up in a ball in like a fetus position. And I'm like starting to like cry and tears are coming down my eyes. And he's like looking left and right. He's like hands in the air. Like, "Mm, I don't know. And it was, yeah, that person needs to know. The person needs to know, but Sometimes you got to hit your head on the, on the wall to see the ceiling. You know what I mean? Um, So that was that moment. And the reason why we don't go. So like we have arguments and our arguments are um, in my opinion, from what I've seen from my parents growing up from listen, I'm Romanian. Okay. Like hardcore Romanian was raised Romanian was surrounded by Romanians. Hold on. Hold on. This froze. Okay, go ahead. Can you hear me? Romanian. Can you hear me? Uh oh. Can you hear me? I I can hear you. You left off okay. that. Uh, I'm Romanian. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, <laughs> man. I don't know why this is freezing. It's weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was raised very Romanian, you know, and just like any like ethnicity, any, you know, especially from the Balkans, like the men have to be macho and the women have to bow their heads and like just kind of move on with their life, you know, and I was raised in that household, you know, until until my mom one day stood up and like I felt like the earth was going to shatter. I was like, how dare my mother stand up to my father, you know, and like she did. And yeah, that was their relationship. But they had a lot of a lot of arguments at like three o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. And as a child, I woke up to that, you know, and I was Mm -hmm. like, man, like this is. It was not okay. And I knew as a child, I was like, whatever happens in my marriage, I don't want to fight at night because maybe the kids are going to wake up. You know, if, if like at the time I was like, okay, knock on wood, I hope I can have kids, you know, the kids are going to wake up and it's just not going to be a good time. And then I'm tired and then he's tired and then all the kids are tired, you know, all this stuff. And that's why we don't argue. 
is because of, like I said, because of me, because I, I was raised in that household and I was like, hmm, if this goes past like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, that's really our time. I'm like, well, and, and it's always like that. Come to a solution. Stop arguing. Mm-hmm. There is no like right or wrong. Oh, like, I come love this to a so solution. much. So yeah. the biggest misconception is that arguing is the only way to navigate conflict and that conflict and arguments are the same, but they're not. Okay. Like no, my absolutely belief not. is that conflict is inevitable, right? You're yep. going to have it with anyone yeah. that you are yeah. spending a lot of time with your kids. Your and husband, we're, we're going to have conflict with really anybody because right. we're all, we're all individuals. Exactly. We're all individuals. We're not going to disagree. I, yes. Right? We're going to yes, disagree exactly. and that's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Conflict is healthy. Mm-hmm. However, while conflict is inevitable, arguing is optional. I love it. And that. when I say optional, you are choosing it, right? You are choosing yep. it in how you engage. You're choosing it in how you respond or react. And so that's why reflecting is such a crucial step because that's the step that prevents arguments from happening. That's the step where it prepares you to feel more clear about, hey, how do I actually feel? Why do I feel triggered right now? What is it that I need? It's these powerful questions that you can ask yourself. So when you actually have the conversation, you're not equally trying to think of what you think of the situation, plus trying to process what they're saying. When you do that, when you go unprepared, that's when all that reactive back and forth happens. That's where the conversation Mm. spiral and go all the way from talking about the problem to talking about something that's unrelated. Yeah. What is that? When like you bring up like other issues, you're like talking about like start criticizing and blaming and and essentially deflecting from the actual problem at hand. The conversation is no longer productive, right? You're just shooting from the hip, reacting to what's being put in front of you rather than staying goal oriented of we have a problem. Let's tackle it together. It becomes a you versus me. Yeah. Compared to us versus whatever the problem is, right? And I that's was it's unhealthy. Very unhealthy. I also think, and again, this is because I met this man, because had I not met this man, I don't think I would have known better. Mm-hmm. But I met this man and I lived in Spain where like <laughs> women have so much power in their mm-hmm. communities in their household. I just, I was like, what is this? Like, this is, I, f- I felt like I lived in like, like, um, uh, like a, like a utopia almost uh-huh. because I was like, what do you mean? Like if a woman is not okay in their relationship, they just leave. What do you mean? Uh, like this was yeah. wild to me. Right. And so I was like, wow. And the way that they communicate with their kids and the way, you know, all this stuff. I bring it back to the basics. I always bring it back to the basics is that I strongly believe that it's also the society that we live in and the the world and the environment that we're brought up in. Yeah. Um, and again, coming back to this, had I not met this man, had I not lived in Spain, I don't think I would have understood my husband as much as I understand him because he's the person. And this is, this is a very real story. The first night that I 
move to Madrid. Like the one ticket there. No, no ticket coming back. Okay. The first night we watched a movie. I fell asleep on the couch and he carried me into bed so I can actually sleep in the bed. Okay. And I hear him get like his jacket on, right? Like you hear a jacket and zip up, right? And I hear that. And I immediately like opened up my eyes and I was like, what are you doing? Yes. Yes. I was like, you're leaving. You're going to go cheat on me. You're gonna. <laughs> I went crazy, Michelle. Yep. Okay. Like not a word I enjoy using, but I was not okay. Mm-hmm. I was the toxic one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was the toxic one. I was the, like, I was, as you're saying, I was criticizing him left and right. And this man, all he did was put on a jacket mm-hmm. and uh, criticizing him. I was being so mean to him, truly so mean to him. And he just stood there and he was like, we can sit down and talk about this. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to sit and talk with you about it. I don't want to see you. And he's you and made up this story in your head. I made up this story in my head. Happen yeah. Without yeah. confirming it. Yes. I haven't even confirmed. I didn't even ask what he's doing. I criticize him first. And then he goes, so do you want to know where I'm going? And I was like, Oh, he's so pragmatic yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's still like that. It's it, he's still like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I and he goes, right. <laughs> like as if I came up with the question, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. So where, you know, and uh, and he was like, uh, well, I know you drink a lot of water and I know you need a lot of water. So I'm not having you drink water from the faucet because it's really not ideal. So I wanted to just go downstairs and across the street and you can see me and I'm going to go to Mercadona, which is a very like small little marketplace and like franchise in Spain and Europe. I'm going to go to Mercadona and I'm going to get you some water. I just, I looked at him. How and dumb I was like, did you feel? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yep. And I it's a real story. Moments. I've definitely had those moments where it's like, you know, it, it, actually, I just um, came out with an episode on my podcast about how emotions and feelings are not the same. No, ab- we, absolutely we, not. <laughs> so much, so many of us make it the same because we use it synonymously, right? It's interchangeable yep. in the vocabulary, but they're yes. not the same. No. And what happened in that moment was you had a feeling that you acted on, right? So yep. for those who aren't familiar, you're like, what the fuck are you saying? Emotions <laughs> and feelings are the same. I don't care what you have to say. So <laughs> I told y'all this is going to be spicy. I told y'all. So emotions is your physical response to yeah. something outside of you, right? Like for her, she probably felt like this, like, her heart was racing. Maybe her, her temperature went up. She like felt what you would normally associate with anger. Michelle, I am 99.9999% sure that this first night is what caused so many (laughs) flare-ups. It was so much like, bah, like just 
oh man and this is why we're talking about this is because we think that our relationship with the relationship and the environment that we live in has nothing to do with our healing journey and i'm gonna get a little spicy because i very like i get like riled up about this do not underestimate how important your environment is, mm-hmm. including the people that surround you. Yes. If the person that is with you, if you are going through a flare-up and they're like, just shake it off. Okay, I am not condoning anything, okay? I am not a counselor. I am not nothing, okay? However, I would strongly, strongly look at your options and what you can do for yourself, whether it is to go to therapy, couples therapy, hire Michelle, whatever it is. But This needs to be understood. When I say that my marriage and my relationship is the biggest success that I've had, it really is. I I know I talk about my kids, but because I just I just love my kids and my kids are like hilarious and they're funny and they're just like so curious and I absolutely love them. They're my kids and I've wanted kids, but it's so different when you're married to your best friend and that person understands every single like aspect and dynamic of you. They like my husband doesn't understand everything about me, you know, like last night we were talking about something and I was like, so, yeah. And he's like, um, what? Yeah. Right. Like, so <laughs> I don't have again, I don't have that expectation. But when shit hits the fan, he knows and he gets it. He does. It's not extra pressure because, yes. again, I sit I sit here and I think about my past self and I think about how coincidentally I don't really I don't really believe in like coincidences. I believe everything happens for a reason. But the the line the the aligning of when my flare-ups would happen and what would happen in my relationships were equal. Mm-hmm. We're equal. However many arguments I would have, that's how many flare-ups I would have. Yep. You know, and whether it was my with my friends or my relationship. But again, don't stay in that victimhood. Don't stay in that victimhood like, oh my gosh, like poor me, poor me, poor me. Look, I've been there again mm-hmm. coming back. That's why I decided to be with really toxic men. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be open about this. When I say toxic, like in in the in a past podcast about my 23k in debt i talked about a very very abusive relationship after that relationship i then dated someone that then cheated on me and then ended up marrying that person and i didn't know until like until way into our relationship like i was like what are you talking about like you're with her now you're going to get married like what then from that relationship, I went to, into another relationship where he was very, very macho and did not want anything to do around like just helping me and just like being there for me. So it was like three relationships, one after the other that I was like, and and funny thing is like, I used to think like, like in the first relationship, I was like, wow, this sucks because it was like my first ever relationship. And then the second one, I was like, well, at least he didn't like abuse me. And then the third one, yes. I was like, well, at least he didn't cheat on me. And it's like, do, how? Talk about standards. How low do my standards have to go to be yeah. with someone that just like stop putting extra issues on me because right. my body, my nervous system literally cannot take it. And that's why like we have to know the difference, right? Like your emotions are literally here to tell you, hey, something needs to change. Not necessarily, hey, I need to leave the relationship, right? But right, you right. need to communicate. Make a move. You need to, yeah. yeah, you need to change something, whether it's what you're sharing with them about what your needs are. Maybe you need to fulfill needs yourself 
or, you know, if there's something that needs to change, it cannot keep going the way that it's going. Right. Yeah. But what gets us in trouble are our feelings because Mm -hmm. our feelings are actually not something we can trust. And I know that sounds funny and I'll explain. So emotions, physical sensations that come up in response to something, right? That's your like body literally trying to communicate with you. Hey, stop. Whatever it is that you're doing, stop and assess the situation and figure out what you need to do, okay? Unfortunately, it doesn't communicate in words and say, hey, follow this 10-step process and you're going to be okay. It just doesn't do that. Feelings, however, are your emotions filtered through your mind. We all know our mind is flawed, okay? It's taking all your past experiences along with the narrative that you have built up about your past experiences. And that's the story that you're spinning in your mind about the situation. So for example, Jetta's experience, she sees her boyfriend put on a jacket. In any other situation, you're like, okay, cool. Exactly, yeah. Right? But Mm -hmm. because of her experiences, because of what she thought was normal, not healthy, but normal. She's like, this has to be what's going on. And she jumped to conclusions and assumed this must be what's happening. And so your body's going to be like, tensing because this feels familiar, but your mind is like, it's because of this. We're convincing you it's because of this. So you need to respond this way to protect yourself. And so your emotions can be trusted. You need to listen to them, but your feelings, they need to be investigated. Yeah. They need to be investigated. You need to be like, well, how true is this? Let me validate. Are there other situations where he's put on a jacket and it hasn't meant that he's going to cheat on me, that he's going to make a bad decision. So you need to create more perspective and and open it up instead of just blindly trusting like, oh, this is what's going to happen and it's going to be all bad. So we need to just cut it off right now. Yep. Again, that's what gets I, us in trouble in arguments. I bring it back to the society in yes, Spain. Absolutely. You go to the doctors and they're like, so what's going on? And you have a literally like they'll bring you coffee. <laughs> you coughing. They're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you have this conversation. Yes. I'm like, wow. And, and, um, I think I've mentioned about, about this, uh, functional medicine, OBGYN. That was the first time that I've ever kind of clashed with actually working together with a functional medicine doctor ever, especially the fact that she was also OBGYN. So I was pregnant with our son in Spain, um, for like three months and the first appointment that they do, you know, she's like, yeah, so like, how's it going? And da, da, and like, it was very, so nonchalant, this conversation, first time I ever met this woman. And then she was like, yeah, like, let's, let's like keep in contact and da, 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 you know, and she's giving me like all this nutrition advice too. And I was like, wow. And one of the nutrition advice that she did give me was, uh, not to eat, uh, the skin of the apple. And I was like, well, um, I'm just going to wash my apple really good. So bye. Uh, but otherwise than that, um, really, really amazing person. And again, like, um, 
just the professionals and the way that that the environment is, it's like, let's sit down and take our time to talk about this and let's come up with a solution. And like I said, like when, when I see, when I, when I saw my husband, like, he's just looking at me, like, so you want to sit down and like, talk about this. And like, uh, uh, so following up with the story, right. So like, he tells me, he's just going to go like to Mercadona and down, down, down from our apartment across the street. And you can watch me from my window. You know? Yes. I felt dumb. I also realized I'm the toxic one, two and three, I also realized um, how much that I actually have to let go of. Yes. Oh, I have to unlearn all these things that I learned, not just in relationships, but in life, yeah. right? Like, oh, okay. So like running for errands at like 10, 11 o'clock at night is normal for this man mm-hmm. till this day. This is normal. If I say like two nights ago, I was like, oh, you know, and sometimes I have to stop myself from telling him things at night because, again, I've noticed this about my own husband. I'm like, oh, yeah, like we don't have toilet paper. Yeah, you know, that's we should probably like go and get some tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, I'll just go right now. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but that's my husband. That's his personality. That's his core. Right. And I say these things and that's what he does. But I didn't know that at the time, right? And I bring that situation home by the fact that he literally, after he told me what he's going to do, and he's like, I'm going to go to Mercadona and da, da, da. He's like, we should sit down. And he like, so I'm like, I'm sitting up in bed and he's standing up by the door and he walks towards me. He grabs my hands like gently, you know, and he's like, and we should like, just, you know, I, I come, I'm going to come back and we should just sit down and like talk about this. I literally slapped his <laughs> hand out of my hand and I was like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Like talk? You want to talk? What? Yep. Like, right? And and so that was another thing that just so many things to learn about him, about myself. Yes. yes. Big time. Yes. Big time. I was like, you want to talk about this? Like what is, you know, um, big time pride, you know? And I was like, okay. And so we sat and we talked about it. And that's when he told me, he's like, he's like, well, no, I just felt bad because tomorrow I'm going to be gone at work all day. And you don't really know this area. So like, I didn't want you to like, like he, he literally used the words, like, I don't want to feed you to the lions. And like your first day here in Madrid, you got to look for water. Like, I don't want to do that, you know? And I was like, oh, ah, so thoughtful, ah, you know? And here I was just like freaking You're out. You're ready so to fight. It would have been much easier if you were right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And same thing with professionals and same thing when you are talking about your chronic illness. It is so much easier to say, oh, this is what happened to me. And like the whole world should should revolve around my symptoms. So much easier. So much easier because like, look, look how easy it is, right? No, that is unsustainable. It is unhealthy for your nervous system, for others around you. And again, your environment matters. Um, Michelle, I want you to uh, just uh, finish up here. Tell us about, you mentioned the your technique, the four R's. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what they are? And then um, let us know what else you have going on in your world. Yeah. 
So the 4R method of communication is reflect. So taking the time to reflect on what you all just experienced for yourself so that you can go in and to reveal what it is that you experience, what you're feeling, what you need, like just everything so that you can give more background information to your partner so that you can have a productive conversation, right? Just be like Jetta's husband and be like, okay, this is what happened. What happened for you? Like, it's just, it gets to be just a simple conversation between two adults. It yeah. doesn't have to be like two toddlers fighting over the same toy, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third one is repair. Repair by taking personal responsibility over what you did to co-create the experience and then reconnect. How are you going to reconnect as a couple so that you can move forward from this together? So you can use this conflict as a catalyst to grow closer because that's what conflict is for. It's an invitation to grow closer, to get to know each other better, to get to know yourself better. And until you use that as an opportunity for your relationship, you're going to keep having the same fights until you learn. We had we had the same fight. For two months. Look, I had the flare ups for the first two months. They are equal. They are so parallel. They're so parallel. It is insane. It is insane. And mind you, I haven't had a flare up in over seven years now. That's amazing. Because you are listening to your body. And because I'm learning my lessons. Because, like I said, I was the toxic one. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, like, and and especially like the feminists, you know, like talking like, oh, yes, like the men, the men. I'm like, no, like, seriously, I have radical responsibility. I am at fault here. Yeah. Me. (laughs) Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they don't have a part in it, right? We're not here to be doormats. I'm the last person that's going to be a doormat, right? However, I can be mature enough to own up to what I did, the assumptions mm-hmm. that I made, the missteps that I made, whether I didn't communicate clearly or yeah. I made assumptions or I let my bad mood leak into my relationship or I'm burned out. Like there's so many different ways that yeah. we contribute to what we're experiencing. And yeah. what's beautiful is that when we do that, that lowers their walls because we're no longer saying, why did you do that? Like, what made you think that was a good idea? And interrogating our partner. Instead, we're like, hey, this is what happened for me. I messed up in this way. This is what I'm going to do differently going forward. That creates a safe space for them to be vulnerable and be like, oh, well, if we're not attacking each other, I guess I can reflect too and be like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm sorry I did this. I shouldn't have responded to you that way. And, you know, okay, going forward, I'll keep that in mind or I'm going to do this differently. Boom. That gets Boom. To be a new way to communicate. When we talked about what has happened with the water incident, okay, when we talked about it, he was like, yeah, maybe the first time you coming into my apartment and like literally ready to live here, maybe I shouldn't have done this at like 10, 11 p.m. Maybe that too. And I was like, you're a unicorn. (laughs) But he's not. He's not. And even if your spouse doesn't do this stuff, it doesn't mean that they're not capable of learning to do this, right? Like we talked about what's 
normal in your environment, right? So let's not write off people who are who don't do this already. It doesn't mean that they're not teachable, just like how it doesn't mean that we can't learn and grow just because of what we witnessed and grew up learning was normal. Like none of what I do in communication is what I grew up with. And yeah. I am for sure not going to allow you listeners to believe that just because your marriage is better than your parents. It doesn't mean that it can't become what you want it to be, but let's not settle. Let's let's grow up (laughs) with all the love in the world, right? Like let's grow up because that work is so worth it. Not only is it worth it for your well-being, like it feels good to be like, oh my God, a year ago, I would have handled this differently. It's good for your marriage. It's good for yeah. your partner's growth. It's also good for your kids. So instead yep. of being like the, you know, version four of how marriages went in, you know, in your lineage, it gets to yeah. be, oh, my parents broke the generational way that relationships work. And so now I'm on a different playing field. I will have standards. I will be an effective communicator. I will know how to take personal responsibility and their relationship issues will be so, so different and easier to deal with. They're going to be more resilient. They're going to be a better partner. And it's such a massive ripple effect that you also get to take advantage of, right? You get to have that enjoyable relationship. Yes. Yes. And I would say this, like, we don't need to break all the generational traumas. We don't need to break all of them, but like really choose which one you really want to break, like make that a priority. And like I said, for me at first it was kids. Like I, because I, after so many like terrible relationships, I was like, well, like maybe just love doesn't exist for me. Like maybe I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe like, my luck is on my forehead. And like, it's like single mom, you know what I mean? Like maybe that's what it was. And I was so set when I met my husband. Okay. That obviously I didn't know he was going to be my husband, but when I met him, I was so set. I'm moving to Ireland, getting a sperm donor and being a single (laughs) mom and working at a little cafe and going on hikes, you know, in the evening, you know, like that was, I was so set on that life, you know? And, um, that's why I was set on it. Not because I was like, oh yeah, like I want to be a single mom and shout out to anybody that literally does that because that's amazing. amazing. Yes. But it was more of the fact I just didn't believe it. And then when I met my husband, I was like, this is the generational, mm-hmm. the generational trauma that I want to stop right here. Yeah. This one. I don't want to argue at three, five o'clock in the morning. I don't want my kids to wake up because we're arguing like, and we're going to argue and we're going to do the, like, I, I think of the, the little speech from, uh, um, what's that movie? Noah Sparks, uh, the notebook, um, the notebook. Yeah. And <laughs> we, and we're going to argue and we're going to blah, blah. And like, that's what we do. And like, when you're being a pain in the ass, I'm going to tell you, because anyways, Five minutes later, you're doing the next thing they ask, thing, right? you know, and I think about that heavily. Um, and I think about when I met my husband and when I think about how I was the person that was always like, you know, being the one that was like the spitfire and the toxic mm-hmm. one, you know, and it was like, 
I don't want to argue every day. And I don't want to tell you that like you're being a pain in the ass. And I don't want to say, cause then you're going to do the next pain in the ass thing. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I just want to like, like literally high five you when like you had, like you come home and like, I want to high five you. And like, how was your day? You know, like, that's what, that's what I want. Obviously that's not for everybody, but that's what I wanted when I met Kathleen. I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be the new one. This is going to be the new priority. And I think again, being flexible you know, you yes. have an intention and being flexible with how you get to that intention yes. and that solution, I think is ideal for your nervous system, your health, your relationship, your marriage, your lifelong, everything, right? Everything, right? Um, okay. Tell us what you got going on. This was such a good conversation. I absolutely <laughs> I love it. I know this. we could go on for hours and if yes. you're still listening, thank you so much for sticking with us. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I literally said at the end of each episode, I'm like, thank you so much for sticking around because I think I've said like, okay, this is the end of the episode, like two times. And I'm always that person, you know, like when you go to someone's house and like they're at the door and they're saying bye five times. Yes. I'm sorry. Soy yo. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's me. I'm that same. person. I do the same. I love a good conversation. So if you have resonated with this and you are seeing that you want something different for your marriage and you're like, but I don't even know where to begin. I now know that what is normal is not what I want. Right. And you're ready to be like, huh, I wonder if something could be better. Let's have a talk. Okay. Like I have a free call where you can book a clarity call with me and we can talk about, Hey, what are the things that you're experiencing? What are the things that you want? And I can share with you how you can get there. And if working together is part of that, amazing. Otherwise you can walk away with having more clarity around what your next steps are, because truly all I want for everyone is to be happy, right? Like I want you to be happy. That's what's best for everybody is for all of us to be individually happy. Okay. Yes. So there's that. I also have a communication course. If you want to check that out. However, since you're listening to this, I'm assuming you also love podcasts. So come on over and check out mine. Mine's called the marriage podcast. I'm actually going to have Jetta on my show. So that's fun time. Um, And yeah, I talk all about, you know, being the person that you want to be for yourself, living life for yourself, being that woman that you have always been, but maybe kind of buried after you became a a parent and navigating motherhood and marriage together in tandem and being able to enjoy both aspects of your life. I mean, it takes up your entire life, right? But both of those areas of your life without having to wait with all the intention and knowing that living the life that you want doesn't have to be something that's unattainable. It gets to be something as simple as being intentional and prioritizing the right things and living within integrity with yourself. So yeah, I just want you all to be happy. That's the purpose of the podcast. (laughs) I love that. I just want everybody to be in a happy home, right? Like that's, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Where can people find you? Yeah, so there's a podcast. I'm also on Instagram, um, Michelle Perita Coaching. And I have a private free Facebook group that's also called The Marriage and Motherhood. So any of those places, I would love to connect with you, get to know you better and so I could support you. 
Amazing. I love that. Yup. We love Facebook groups around here too. So, yup. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. And thank you for just being so yourself and giving so much value here. So many golden nuggets here. Uh, and again, as always, thank you for staying to all the way uh, till the end of this episode. Uh, if you did get here, please let us know your thoughts about this episode. This episode was fiery and uh, we did get a few a few things personal, right? Like we, we said those things. Um, but we want to know uh, what you thought of it. If you liked it, if you didn't, we, we, we want to know so that we can create these episodes to better serve you. All right, guys. Thank you. And I'll see you on the next episode. Have a good day. Bye.